I know we're about to stop the episode, but I forgot to also shout out Georgetown because we were at Georgetown. Uh, I was at Georgetown recently and I was with the doing the Brave Summit, which was another just like room full of sisterhood. And I just be like, yo, we uh, black women, when we show up, we show out. And we just had like a fantastic time there as well. And I feel so honored to get to come to these spaces and have folks like be interested in what I have to say and hearing my thoughts on things and my ideologies. It really is inspiring, especially as I'm writing this book, which is kicking my ass. This is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, writing this book. Um, I know that may sound like really... Uh, elitist and uh, privileged to folks, and I'll take that. But wow, geez, Malige, gee, ah, it is really testing my whole countenance. Um, so just know that when it comes out, uh, it was not done lightly <laughs> at all. Okay, not done lightly. So the thing though that has been helping with the book is similar to uh, what we're talking about today. Today, our episode is about side effects of being an only child. Now, the thing about this episode is I want to make it clear that don't stop listening right now if you're like, well, I'm not an only child and I don't have an only child, so what's this got to do with me? Listen, being an only child makes you experience the world in a certain way that is very similar to other scenarios that may happen in your life, even if you're not an only child. Like, we basically been single forever. You know, like when you're an only child, you have a certain level of independence in the world that is very unique to some other people who don't. So that applies to how we look at things that can be helpful to how you look at things when you are given a certain level of independence that you may not be used to or accustomed to. So we'll be talking about that. We're also going to be talking about just, you know, not only being an only child, but like if you have an only child, like some things that can be helpful to making them prosper in this world. If you're dating somebody that's an only child, that can be a unique experience, especially if you come from a big family. And all of these things are a part of this worldview that we live in because at the end of the day, Small Doses is about also showing people different perspectives that they may not know themselves. So thank you guys for showing all the love with the Fuckboy episode, which I feel like everybody seemed to relate to. <laughs> Man, fuck boys and fuck boobies and big ups to James Bland for coming through. Uh, it's just me on this episode, so you're just going to hang out with good old Amanda. And that's what Amanda has been doing her whole life as an only child. Hanging out with good old Amanda. <laughs> Let's get into it. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. We're dropping on these hoes. <sighs> Alone time versus loner is what we're talking about today. Why, Amanda? Because when you're an only child, you grow up spending a lot of alone time by yourself. And when you become an adult, you oftentimes still appreciate that alone time once you've been thrust into this bustling world with another 100 people who got off the train and came up to the ground and they're looking around. And, you know, you're just like, oh, there's a lot going on here, but I still like my nucleus of me. You know, now a loner is somebody who doesn't want to be bothered with anybody ever and basically looks at interactions with people as a nuisance. 
And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying I think only children get falsely subscribed with that when we're just like, yo, I just want to have like some solitude. And especially when it comes to relationships. Because sometimes people feel like you're trying to shut them out. You're trying to put them off. You know, you're trying to disconnect from them. And it's like, nah, I'm coming right back. But it's like, I just kind of want to be over here by myself a little bit. And there's nothing like negative about that. But if you've grown up in a big family where you never had alone time, it may seem like weird and odd to you that someone would want um, to not have people around them. Whereas I've had people who are growing up in big families and are like, they crave alone time. I've had people who have grown up in big families and become loners because they grew up in like huge families where they just never felt like they had anything to themselves. They never had like a square inch of to call theirs. And so now they're just like, fuck everybody. I'm going to live in this apartment in this studio apartment where I have everything in place. And when someone comes over and they move it, I get really annoyed. And yeah, does it sound like I'm telling a true story? Yeah, because I am. Um, Yeah, I dated this dude who was like a self-proclaimed loner. And I'm like, I just don't know how that works out when you're a loner, but you want to date somebody because it's kind of counterproductive to like your whole lonerness um, because like I'm here. So how does that work? And like, oh, but you said, oh, because you because you still want to fuck. That's got it. Got it. Got it. And most loners usually work that out by just, you know, hiring a prostitute. (laughs) So that to me seems way more practical than actually trying to like build a real relationship with somebody who's going to be like, you know, are we going to go to the movies together? No, because I'm a loner. Yeah, okay. Then you just can't. You can't be a loner in this pussy. You know what I mean? Like that's essentially what I'm trying to say. Essentially what I'm trying to say. However, you can get some alone time. When you are outside of this. And that's what being an only child has really like, but it really instilled in me. And I think people sometimes don't even know what, what do you do with alone time? I've had people literally be like, like, what do you mean? Like, why, like, what do you mean alone time? And I'm like, I just sometimes like to just be in my house, just being in my house. And there's nothing great going on. There's nothing spectacular or fantastic going on other than I just don't have to deal with anybody else right now. And sometimes that's very like meditative. And it's something I suggest that like everyone do. Like sometimes it's just nice to go to a movie by yourself because you don't have to worry about if the other person likes it. You know, you don't have to worry about the other person is going to eat the popcorn. Sometimes it's just like being alleviated of that other energy can be very like freeing and relaxing. And it's the balance of having that And then being in a world with other people. And only children, I personally think, have a very special knack with that. I think we do allow ourselves to have a good balance of, like, being with individuals and then knowing how to entertain yourself. When you know how to entertain yourself, that's a whole skill that can take you through life on a whole other level. Because we are are taught in this society to have a certain level of codependency amongst each other. And don't get me wrong, you are your brother's keeper. But I don't think that that means that you have to then rely on your brother for everything because sometimes your brother ain't gonna be there. Your brother might be up the block. Your mother might be around the corner. Your brother might be in the Philippines. You don't know where your brother's at. But where are you at? What are you doing? You're here. Got to figure it out. And I'm not saying that this has to only be in like a crisis. Sometimes it's just like you're by yourself 
how can you entertain yourself without feeling lonely? You know, how can you entertain yourself? How can you fill yourself up? If you're not in a relationship, like, what do you do with that time when it's just you? And sometimes people are so scared of that. People are scared of alone time. People are genuinely, like, frightened of, like, what happens when they're by by themselves. Because a lot of times when you're by yourself, you face yourself. And if you're an only child, you know, you've had a lot of time to, like, be just by yourself. I feel like the only children I know know themselves um, better than a lot of the people I know that come from big families. Simply by the nature of just having time to do that. You know, when you're in a big family, you got to take care of everybody else or you're being taken care of or, you know, you're just dealing with the exchange of other individuals in a different way. And I think sometimes that can get in the way of like you actually having the grounding to find yourself in that space. And you have to like make a conscious decision to be like, you know what, let me find out what my individualism is outside of like my family, but not disconnected from. You know, because that's when you become a loner, when it becomes like, you know what, I don't want nothing to do with everybody and I want to just be over here. And I think that that can sometimes happen, especially if you feel hurt. You know, if people have hurt you, if people have disrespected you, then you start getting isolated. And that's when that loner shit happens. And there's, you know, being a loner is is it's a choice. You know, I was at the Grand Canyon. I'm sure there are people who are living in caves down there and they're loners. You know, they're. They're at the Grand Canyon. They're having a good old time. They're sitting by the campfire, you know, and they're just looking at drawings on the wall. Maybe they're playing solitaire, you know, and they've just been like, I did it. I was in the world and I'm good. Now I'm in the, now I'm in the rocks and that's where I'm at. And those are folks that are hermits. You know, they're just like, I'm done. And I can understand how that can happen, especially when you look at what's going on in our world right now. When you look at people like Laura Ingram, you know, dissing David Hogg, you're like, I think I'm going to go live in the fucking Grand Canyon by myself. You know, I think I think it's time because I can't I can't I can't. You know, I mean, my homeboy was telling me a story of like he has a friend and his friend's homegirl is dating somebody who when she had an ectopic pregnancy, the dude she called him she called her dude and was like i have to i have to go to the hospital i'm having a miscarriage and he was like do i have to come what when i hear stories like that i'm like i'm gonna go live in the rocks i'm about to go live in the rocks because people like this are out here and if i hear any stories about any animals being mistreated i'm just like i i'm gonna go live in the rocks with the animals that's what i'm gonna do i'm just gonna loner it up don't get me wrong there's a lot of lonership in me just by nature of being woke it ain't got nothing to do with being an only child it's just like when you are so hyper aware of the world around you sometimes you're just like you know what I bet I wouldn't have to deal with any of this shit if it was just me and the dogs on the ranch home on the range where the deer and the antelope play I fantasize about that sometimes y'all what's it like just be out there whistling Dixie Feeding the ducks, having a good old time. But at some point, what's going to happen is some funny shit's going to go down. And then I'm going to have no one to be like, yo, did you see that shit? And that will be the end of the loneliness because I have to share the jokes. I have to share the jokes. You know, when it comes to writing jokes, alone time actually doesn't even work for me. 
I don't have I don't write jokes in a long time. I know a lot of comics who really love being by themselves because we be on the road and you just kind of get used to it and that's when their jokes come and I'm actually the opposite. I get my jokes from interacting with humans. I get my jokes from having exchanges, from having experiences. And so it's a part of my, you know, balance. But I just I just want to encourage folks to know that like when you're looking at an only child or you're raising an only child, like there is an absolute responsibility to be like making sure that your kid knows how to interact with other people and knows how to interact in actual like social settings and in team settings. But at the same time, if you're interacting with an only child, don't just assume that we don't know how to do that simply because we didn't have to fight for the shower in the morning. Okay. Don't say shit like, Oh, I could tell you're an only child. You know, what type of loner behavior, only child behavior did I exhibit? Did, were we at a dinner party and they walked by with wine and I was like, mine, mine, mine. Did I do that? Yeah, I didn't think so. So shout to, shout to my folks that like alone time, that know how to fill their own cup up and that have grown up having to find ways to make themselves entertained because there's no one else around to do that with. And uh, shout out to the loners. You know, we see you over there, but we're not going to bother you. So these DMTs that we're about to get into, I've, I mean, have really been a real treat because, you know, for the most part, like all of our episodes have related to somewhat, you know, kind of personality and uh, personality and I guess like, you know, relationships and social stuff. But we also we're, we're getting a chance here with these DMTs to talk about like an aspect that I feel like we haven't talked about, which is like children and where we're seeing our youth rise up in such like measurable ways right now, I think it's more important now than ever to like start really paying attention to our kids and how they're existing in this world that we are creating for them. And I personally feel like the kids are rising up because as adults, we're fucking up. So that's my thoughts on that. Um, but I, I really just... Love that you guys take the time to send me these really thought out questions for DMT. I throw it at you just very like haphazardly on Instagram. I have people asking me like, when do you throw out? When are you going to ask about DMT? And it's like one of those things that you just got to be in the right place at the right time. When I'm recording, which changes all the time, I put it up on my Insta story. And if you see it, you send me a DMT and I choose, you know, from the onslaught of responses, ones that speak to me and that I feel like I can give genuine response to. Okay. So that's the, um, that's the tea on DMTs. (laughs) And let's get into this first one. My daughter is eight. She's very sweet and funny and creative. She also has a lot of trouble making and or keeping friends. She has been described as annoying. She is super in your face and enthusiastic. I want to reinforce her to continue to be herself and not worry about people not liking her. I also really worry about the loneliness and not having a sibling tribe. What did you do to combat these things if if you ever even experienced it? It's funny, this person sent me this, and I I do appreciate that at the end of the message, you alluded to my possibly having not experienced kids thinking I was annoying, but I think you knew in your heart, in your heart, like in the depths of it, that I absolutely experienced kids thinking I was annoying when I was a kid. And you, madame, are absolutely right. Listen, 
I was the most annoying kid. First of all, I, I wasn't even a kid. You know what I'm saying? Like, when I got here, I'd already been here. So I always had a certain level of, like, what? Did my whole existence. Like, I came out the womb condescending, okay? I arrived from the vagina, like, what are y'all even doing? Like, it's not like we haven't done this before. Let's get back to work. Like, that's been me my whole life, okay? My mom said I came out with my eyes open. <laughs> like, literally showed up. Like, what? Huh? Yeah. I'm busy. So, I was the kid who was, like, playing, like, we would play school, and I would create assigned seats. That was, that was who I was, okay? Why, why were you doing that, Amanda? Because I had time. I'm an only child. I have time. Okay. I also like to control the scenario because I'm an only child. So it's my space. I like to know how everything is landing. I'm still like that to this day. We will got, we'll get to that later. But um, I was also like someone who was, I was, I was always very tenacious. I was always very into, you know, information and wanting to be connecting with people and, I understand what your daughter's going through because she seems to be somebody who is very lively and she's very like comfortable in her skin and she is encouraged at home. And so when she gets out into the world, she wants to bring that to people. And if they don't have that same uh, situation at home, then they might be looking at her like, what is that? I think this is also her showing that she's an extrovert and it may be worth listening to side effects of an extrovert because that means that, like, she's somebody who really does experience the world in a very different way than the people that she might be interacting with. And kids in general are oftentimes kind of told to just, like, be quiet and be over there, you know, and, like, don't speak until, unless you're spoken to. And when they see other children that don't necessarily adhere to those rules, I think sometimes they feel like that's somebody who's, like, a troublemaker or that's somebody who's just, like, not um, normal and America especially loves to kind of like paint this picture that everyone needs to behave like a certain way to be considered normal and that if you're weird, then you're problematic. But what I would say in terms of like things that I did to combat this is that it's not necessarily things that I did per se, but like my mom used to absolutely feel the same way as you where she kind of worried that I would be – um you know, left out, but I think she also worried that I would be too egregiously chasing approval from the other kids. And she would like yell at me about like, stop wanting friends so bad. And I know that like part of that was just like her West Indian inability to properly compartmentalize feelings. (laughs) But I think it was also just like, just like a genuine like fear like a real fear of a parent that your daughter or your child is going to like put themselves in a position to be ridiculed or disappointed by chasing after like people who don't care about them. Right. And I, I just remember my mom, like one time we were going to Virgin mega store (laughs) and I was buying friends on VHS tape because I love the show. And she was just like, you're so obsessed with friends that you're buying the show friends. And I was because as an only child, I, I definitely craved like a certain level of interaction with like having someone who's like solidly like the best friend thing. As an only child, I was very big into like the best friend thing. I just wanted a best friend because I wanted somebody who I knew was going to like have my back in the way that like a sister would. And that was something that like played out over time. And eventually I kind of grew out of that. But 
I think your daughter, for the most part, is just acting out in a natural way that somebody who's an extrovert would and somebody who's an only child would. And I think that it's just a time thing. But I also feel like there's activities that she could be involved in with people who are similar to her where she might find more of a like-minded exchange and not feel so left out. Like acting classes or... You know, um, gymnastics or art classes, like anywhere where kids are expected to be outward, you know, where kids are expected to be expressive, dance classes, like that to me is um, where she can find like like minded, annoying weirdos like herself so that she doesn't have to be looked at sideways. By the kids who are like, yeah, like we're just like pre-emo, you know, like they're not full emo yet because they're not in all black, but they're like still wearing like lavender and pastels that their parents are putting them in. But in their hearts, they're like, yeah, like we're just like super cool. And eventually super cool just becomes like you're just super boring. Next question. For only children in single-parent homes, what is the family-slash-relationship dynamic like? A lot of my friends in those relationships call their parent their best friend and vice versa. And while I'm close to my mom, there's always been a clear line. I mean, I definitely think that there's, like, subjectivity to that. I don't think there's, like, a necessarily, like, overall kind of experience. But I know in my personal experience, like, me and my mom were kind of all of those things. But I think my mom... Being West Indian, there was absolutely a very clear line of like, I'm the parent. Okay. I mean, like there were certain, (laughs) there's just situations that happened in my youth where I'm like, oh yeah, no, I would never say like, yeah, me and my mom are like best friends. No. Like when I first totaled my car and I called my mom, she wasn't like, oh my God, that's crazy. Her response was, how do you expect me to pay for this? And then she hung up. I mean, she showed up, you know picked me up but it wasn't until like two weeks later I was like sitting on the floor on my stomach watching Seinfeld and she was passing through on her way to the kitchen and without slowing her roll said I'm glad you're alive (laughs) and I was like thanks mom you know like I remember like if my mom was my best friend I feel like I wouldn't have had to tell her I was shaving my legs via a game of hangman Cause that's how that went down, <laughs> you know. It would have just been like, oh my god, like let's go get some bix, you know, some bic razors. No, I had to like sit at the kitchen table and was like, let's play a game. And she was just like, I mean, I guess don't cut yourself. <laughs> Thanks. Um, if my mom was my best friend, I feel like when I told her I lost my virginity, she would have been like, oh my god, how was the experience? In actuality, her response was, well, I tried my best. (laughs) And she hung up the phone. Promptly called me back and said, you're paying for your own birth control. And then hung up again. So, yeah. You know. Mind you, I lost my virginity like second semester of my freshman year of college. So I held out, y'all. I held out. All right. I held out. I did what I was supposed to do. I probably went into a hoe phase, but that's another conversation. It's another conversation for another time. Actually, we've already had that time. Side effects of the hoe phase. Check it out right now on podcasts. Um, Hold on. Let me take a sip of water because all these truths are making me, (laughs) these pretzels are making me thirsty. 
<laughs> my mom <laughs> is somewhere right now like, why are you telling my stories? Why? <laughs> no, I um, I think it's interesting, though, because you do have a certain, like, tightness with that parent, especially if you have a single parent, you know, because I think for my mom, I was also unique because I was such like a very independent child. And I was also very like intellectual. And I think that we had a lot of similar interests, you know, like my mom and I both like a lot of the same things. Like we both like British humor. Like we both like sports. We both like, um, travel, you know, I was very, you know, receptive of our Grenadian heritage. You know, some kids are like, no, my mom's from Grenada. I'm not, you know? And so I think to that point, like we had a certain level of connectivity that was very shared. Um, not just because we lived in the same house, but because we had a certain, um, understanding of each other. And I think also for what it's worth in the single parentness of it all, my mother never like shit on my dad. Like she never like created a certain like energy of acrimony, um, between us and it allowed me to like respect her for her and have my own thoughts about him without necessarily like conjoining the two with each other and so for her I think that she might look at me as more of just like I wasn't just her daughter like I was her friend I was her sister you know I was her helper I mean I was setting VCR clocks since I was two I mean that's the other thing when you're an only child you also are incredibly resourceful Um, especially if you're an only child in a single parent home, like you just are able to do like a lot of stuff a lot of times by nature of having to, like you're just having to. And that a lot of times also affects your relationships because I've had situations with men where they feel like, damn, like what does she need me for? Like she can do everything. And it's like, yeah, but what you don't understand is that I never grew up with like a dude in my house. So what do I need you for? I need you to show me like the dopeness of that. Like, what is, what's that like? And how, why, why is that great? Um, and so I think that's, that's the uniqueness of my mother and I's relationship. I mean, one day I'm going to write a book or a play or something called a hundred ways to cook chicken. Cause I swear every day my mother would ask me, what do you want for dinner? And I would be like, I don't know. And I would come home to chicken. I'm just like, how did you find another way to make chicken? How? I feel like Bubba Gump, chicken cacciatore, curry chicken, stewed chicken, chicken fried chicken, fried chicken, baked chicken, chicken with gravy, chicken with sauce, chicken enchiladas, chicken gordita crunch. Like, I can do this forever. (laughs) I can do this forever. The person went on to ask, like, what happens if that parent when that parent eventually like lives by can't live by themselves like what do you do do you move them into a home etc i don't know i don't know that's the kind of stuff that like i don't even want to like think about you know i mean i've been very fortunate that my mom is like very independent and um she's independent to the point where she has become a loner my mom is a loner i may like alone time but my mom is a loner and i think that's from her being growing up in a big family and becoming a single parent to where like she was just dominant for dumb long. And then I moved out and she wasn't in a relationship. So she's just been like the master of her domain forever. So now it's like, she's just kind of not interested in having to bend or, you know, share any of those responsibilities of leadership with anybody, including myself. Uh, so those are the things that you have to like juggle. But you know what's a really good movie uh, about this is Lady Bird. 
even though she's not an only child, like the relationship with her and her mom is like only childish, you know, because it's very localized. <laughs> it's as if no one else in the family exists, really. Um, but then there was also that like Reese Witherspoon movie where her mother dies and she like goes on this like journey by herself. I think it's called Wild. Um, and, uh, you know, only child, only children, we, our interaction with our parents is very, very unique. And I think sometimes like people that we're dating have a tough time understanding that too, especially like women and their mothers. Like I'll have dudes be like, Oh my God, like what's with you and your mom? It's like, don't ask me about me and my mom. We know what we doing. Okay. We communicate with each other the way we communicate with each other. It's none of your fucking business. <laughs> Next question. Although, this is a good one. This is relationships, y'all. Although personal time is healthy, how do you manage spending time with a significant other who's so used to being in their own space? How do you get them to realize they need to share their time in a relationship? Or what the point of being in one without coming off needy? Or like, you don't understand they need their own space and time. Here's the thing. If you're with somebody in a relationship that's always like wanting their alone time, you are with a loner. And I talked about this earlier. It's like, you can't be in a relationship with a loner unless you too are a loner. That's literally like the only way it works. Because basically you have like this unspoken understanding that says like, we fuck each other and we love each other in a specific way that doesn't require us to have like an exchange on a constant regular basis. If you're not a loner, you're not going to be able to interact with somebody like that. And I think that like, just because like, and we talked about this earlier in the gem dropping, just because you're an only child doesn't mean you're a loner. It just means that like, you know what it is to have your own alone time. This person that you're seeing, they're giving only children a bad name. If, if, if you feel like that's the cause of why they behave like this, I think the bigger question becomes like, why do they always want to be alone? You know? And like, what is the value that they see in you being in their life? And in that, it's like, well, this is what I need from this situation. And if they can't meet that, then you're just not right for each other. And there's nothing wrong with that. We've talked about that before in Side Effects of the Curve. Two good people don't always make a good couple. How would you describe the friendship style of someone who is an only child? <sighs> We're very particular. <laughs> it's like we simultaneously want to have one-on-one -on -one time but the protection of a posse um, but the control of an individual in their own space but the understanding that we are you know one of one we want a lot of different things to be carried through in a way that I feel like people who are in big families don't because they just even, they've never even had the luxury of that you know, um, as an only child, I can say that I'm someone who really prefers like one-on-one -on -one and small group time versus like big groups and like outings. Like I feel like that's always like a lot for me to juggle and handle. Like I'll even be, you know, like that's why like I feel like mingling is tough for me. I'm just like, I don't, don't want to do this, you know. And uh, I think that the ambivert part of me comes from being an only child. Like the the extrovert is is my personality, but the introvert is the only childness of it all because I just haven't had growing up like 
a lot of practice of having to just kind of deal with people around me when I didn't want them to be. You know, I may be going to a slumber party or I may be in a team sport or I may be at a um at an event, but that's like a choice. Whereas like if you're in a family, you just don't get a choice of when you get to be by yourself. It's just like this is what it is. And you just have to manage that. As an only child, you can choose like, you know what, I want to go home. I'm going to call my mom. <laughs> you know, I've had that happen before where I was just like somewhere and I was just like, you know what, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to go home. I mean, it wasn't always because I wanted to be by myself. Sometimes it was because, you know, there was a racist situation happening. Like when I was at uh, Eric and Amy's birthday party and uh, we were back by the pool and they were dancing and there was a song called playing playing called slam and it was like slam let the boys be boys but then when the hook came around next time they were like slam white power white power let the boys be white and i was like yeah i gotta call my mom it's time to go (laughs) growing up in orlando i always say growing up in orlando people think that it's not racist because they think it's like disney And I I say this on stage, you know, and it's like, okay, we're not like Mississippi racist. It may not be like, fuck you, nigger, get out of here. It's not like that. But it's definitely like, fuck you, nigger, get out of here. You know? (laughs) It's definitely that. (laughs) Uh, Our producer and our engineer are trying not to laugh right now. But just so you know, they're like totally laughing. (laughs) So, anywho. Um, friendship styles. I think that we have a certain level of controlling this to us that isn't necessarily meant to be malicious and it isn't meant to be inconsiderate. It's just a matter of us like wanting to preserve our space. And when I say preserve our space, I mean that when you, like I said, when you're an only child, like you get to choose who comes over, you know, and you get to choose who's interacting with you and you grow up and you still want to be able to do that. And I like I'm somebody who like I get so irritated, like if I have plans with somebody and then they last minute want to like throw somebody into the mix that I don't know. Oh, my God, because I feel like we've established that we're going to have a safe space. We're going to have like an interaction. I'm going to get to talk my shit with you. And now that you're like throwing this other person in, it almost feels like now I have to like compete with them or now I can't feel like I can talk like fully as comfortably as I wanted to because I don't know them. And it just changes the dynamic Because now it's like you've got your cohort and I'm like the only child that's by myself. And it makes me uncomfortable. So just so you know, anybody out there, if you're making plans with me, don't be trying to throw somebody in last minute. I will shut that shit down. In the past, I would be like, oh, it's fine. Nah, not these days. I'd be like, nah, we can get up another time. (laughs) And there's no hard feelings. It's just like I just don't feel comfortable with it. I think we're also a little clingy. Um, I know I am. I think that like I've had to really work my way through that because in my quest, like I was mentioning earlier for like wanting the security of like a best friend who has my back in the same way that like a a sibling would, I would really be trying to like show somebody like, look, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm down. Like we're besties. We're great. You know? And my mom would be like, oh my God, you look pathetic. Why are you so needy? I'm like, I just want them to like me. Nobody likes me. And if you have only children, just get ready for that. I think that crying session is going to happen at some point. Nobody likes me. Nobody likes me. Because you're just like, you you come home by yourself and you're just like, I'm here. And even if it doesn't happen as a kid, it's going to happen at some point. The depression is going to set in. 
like, I'm just, I don't have a boyfriend and nobody likes me. <laughs> I mean, you eventually get over it, I hope. I did. You know, I got to a point where it's just like, it's not that nobody likes me. It's just that enough people like me that I don't have to care that a lot of people don't. And you know what did that? Therapy. Hey. But I, I think that that clinginess is, is that. Like, and I, I really work on that. Like, I will, if I like somebody, it's like I have to really, especially like in a romantic space, if I like somebody, I have to really be like, don't. And just like, you know, you give yourself those affirmations. Like if the person wants to be in your life, then they will make sure they're in your life. You know, I, I envy people who are like super cool. Like I know people who are just like so cool. They're just like able to be like, yeah, whatever. I mean, if I hear from them, I don't. If I do, I do. It's like whatever. Like I'm still me. I'm great. I'm awesome. I'm solid. And I always look at them like, wow, like that's super cool. Because I think the only child in me has that level, that little level of insecurity that's just like, I mean, I know all of those things, but it'd also be like super dope to like have someone like me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't think I'll ever grow out of that. I really don't. I think that's a part of my adolescence that like is kind of still, still in there. But I think overall, only children get a bad rap for being like unable to share. And like, I don't think that's totally completely valid all the time like I have friends and I share and I give things away and I just like you to ask before you take okay don't fucking reach into my bag of chips I don't know where your hands have been and I also just on principle like people to be like hey can I have a chip yes you can you sure can Mm-hmm. see I'm sharing people I Today's People I Like goes to one of my favorite characters that's an only child who is played by an only child, Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter, the boy who lived. Curious. Very curious. That curious is from when Harry Potter went into Ollivander's to get his wand. And of course, Ollivander was like, oh shit, like the phoenix that gave two fe- that gave the feather for this wand only gave one other feather. And that other feather is in the wand of the person who actually tried to murk you. <laughs> we know him as Voldemort. Oh, we do not say his name. He's done horrible things. Glorious, glorious, but also terrible, terrible things. Okay, but my point is this. I feel like I really identified with Harry Potter as a character because in part of the fact that he was an only child and he was on a hero's quest. And I myself have always felt that way, that I was this only child that was in the world on a hero's quest and that over time I would eventually like amass my army. And it's crazy because even as we do these episodes of Small Doses and I see you all at events and in the street and you say thank you for doing Small Doses and you send me messages, etc. It really lets me know that I'm not bugging with my thought process. And it makes me feel like we are creating an army of people with ethics 
and people with like actual thought processes that challenge things. You don't have to agree with me on everything, but I hope that you at least agree with my concept of challenging things and questioning things beyond just like what's given to you and doing so not just for the sake of it, but for the sake of finding another level of intellect, another level of excellence, another level of mental and physical and emotional health and wealth. And so like, I feel like you guys are my order of the Phoenix. You know, and it's not to say that like I, we are and we are like all out here with our Patronus charms and we are just really like expecto patroniming the fuckery that's happening in the world. That's what we doing. And like Harry Potter, that character that J.K. Rowling created is an allegory of just what it is to be in the world and feeling like you have this like quest on your back that you don't want to necessarily accept, but that is assigned to you regardless. And when you're an only child and you have that, you just feel like there's no one else that supports you in this unconditionally. The beauty of that is that when you find people who support you in it, they do so because they do so by choice. And it, it really becomes where your friends are your chosen family. And it means even more to you in some, in some ways because it's like, wow, like these are people who have been a part of my life because they really genuinely fuck with me, not just because they were stuck in a house with me. And so your friends who are only children understand that like when you join them in support of their cause as friends or you join them in support of their cause as supporters, like we, I feel like as only children, look at that with so much more reverence because we've never had the luxury of someone just like, especially in our peer group, just rocking out by the nature of the fact that they just have to. I didn't have brothers and sisters that grew up with me. I have brothers and sisters that grew up with my father, you know, but he tried to keep them from even rocking with me. And now because we're getting older, we understand that we are going to rock with each other regardless because, you know, the level of devil is just not going to shut us down. But Harry Potter as a character that's an only child is a definite person I like because I attach to him in such a real way as somebody who was moving through the world as an individual but found people that supported his movement and they were integral to creating change. And that's what I look to you guys as and that's what I look to my friend circle as. Alohomora. That one time. <laughs> so I dated a dude who had like a sister and another sister and then a brother who had passed away. And his sister, like, used to try and shame me for being an only child. Like, she would say shit to me, like, well, maybe you don't understand because you're an only child. And it was always like, what is, <laughs> where is she coming with this? She would use it as a way to basically try to battle me for, like, control over her brother. Like, and it was like, I'm not trying to control your brother. Your brother is just out of control. Um, I actually kind of think she wanted to fuck her brother, but that's whatever. But it really used to bother me because it really used to make me feel like she considered the fact that I was an only child to mean that I didn't have like skills of companionship or that I didn't have like the basic ability to understand like, oh, you all are brother and sister and there's certain things that I can't get in the middle of within y'all. And I think like people really think that about only children that like we just can't understand like what a sibling dynamic is and it's like I may not have experienced it but like I can like put the math together and see like that that's a thing I mean there's also you know like movies 
So I've watched a lot of those, you know, and like TV and, you know, it's not really like a far-fetched thing to grasp. But I think the hardest thing when you're an only child, though, is like trying to understand how to make people understand that like you're not trying to get in the middle of that, even if you are speaking. You know, I remember like there were times where like him and her, they were like having an argument, but like I'm... They're arguing and I'm being mentioned in the argument, but then I can't say nothing because they're brother and sister arguing. And I'd be like, fuck that. Like, if y'all want to argue about your brother and sister shit, fine. Once my name enters the argument, I I have have now gained entry entry into the the argument. argument. Okay? So that was always a thing. And I know there's people listening right now like, no, no. If it's two brother and sister arguing, you can't say nothing. Well, you just learned the new caveat. You can't say nothing until your name is mentioned. Then it's like, ding, 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 tap in, tap me in. Yeah, yeah. Suplex! I'm not having it. She tried to fight me, y'all. She tried to fight me in their mother's house because she was arguing with him about where I was going to sleep and was trying to tell him that I was going to sleep on the floor. And I came in the room and was like, hey, so wanted to just chime in. And she was like, no, you don't got nothing to say in here. And I was like, actually, but you've been talking about me. So I feel like I do. And then she tried to physically fight me. And like, I'm not a fighter. I have rage, but I'm not a fighter. I've been in one fight. And let's just say the weave was on the ground. So I won. That's what I'm trying to say. This is what I'm trying to say. I won. The, I won the fight. I won the fight. Because people always try and pick on the person in the sandals and the tank top thinking that they're not going to step up. But yeah, I did it. I did it. But that situation was like wild because so much of our relationship was like this sisterhood thing hanging over our relationship and her feeling like I was challenging their brother sister dynamic by coming in as his girlfriend. And I've always wondered, like, would I have understood it better, you know, maybe if I did have a brother and sister situation? Like, would I, not necessarily would I have understood it better, but would I have understood how to handle her better had I had that scenario myself? Would I have known what to say to her better? Would I have known how to manage her um, seemingly crazy, irrational behavior? But I never really knew. And since then, like, I've dated guys that have had brothers and sisters. And, you know, I've been pretty well accepted. But the single, I've never dated someone with a, I've never dated another only child. And I wonder what that is like. I wonder if there's any similarities that would line up for us because we have, like, the same experiences. Or if it would clash because of us both being kind of just like our own islands. I don't know. I don't feel like I'm my own island. I'm a, I'm, I am an island, but I'm a part of an archipelago. You know, there's like, we're, we're close enough. We can island top. The last dose. Being an only child has just been a, an interesting experience for me because I feel like I got a lot of attention. And I think some people think that makes only children entitled. It really gave me an opportunity to explore a bunch of different things so that I got to like really know what I liked and loved in this life. And I feel like 
a lot of times when you have brothers and sisters, you may not have the same opportunity to do that because it is expensive and it is time consuming and it does require a lot of attention on, on the behalf of parents, you know, but my mom kind of just like put everything into me. And so I was able to like just sort out a lot of experiences that have all been able to be useful in my culmination of finding my actual true purpose. Um, I think it's it's cool to get to have the brother sister interaction. I really would have benefited from that too, but when it boils down to it, you just got to be happy with what you got and figure out how to make the adjustments that you didn't get a chance to have later on in life. And I've done that by having like an actual concerted effort made toward building a friend circle of people that I can rely on and that can rely on me in the way that you would a sibling. And it's been very nurturing and very helpful. And I think that there are definitely people listening right now who hope to have that. And I urge you to just continue to be yourself and continue to like put yourself in situations and in spaces with people who have similar ideals and like minds. But when you're an only child, you're going to get pigeonholed sometimes and people are going to look at you like, oh, like you think you know everything and it's not that I know everything because I'm an only child. I know everything because I read a lot. Okay? So that's really what it is. It's the same way that it's like, no, I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm not angry. I'm just smart. That's a byproduct of that if you live in this world. But I'm rambling at this point because as an only child, there's no one here to stop me. <laughs> but shout out to all the parents out there who have one kid and maybe worried that their kid is going to be isolated or that they're not going to be able to interact with other, you know, kids and that they, they're not going to have like the sibling experience. Just give them a full experience and they'll be fine. I think my mom gave me one of the best things that I could have asked for, which is she simply just gave me a secure understanding of who I was. And even if I didn't have brothers and sisters, I always knew that I had me. And that has been the best, um, that has been the best thing she could have given me. A solid foundation of self. And that's why I can go to dinner by myself and not feel like I look crazy. It's been another edition of Small Doses. You guys, as always, are the greatest. Uh, make sure to follow me on Instagram, Amanda Seals. Thank you for your DMT questions. And we will keep it all moving next week right here. Talk to you soon. <laughs>